And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer. Ted Wynn to Sean Reed with the postgame edition after the Raiders' heartbreaking loss to the Kansas City Chiefs, a 35-31 defeat on Sunday Night Football. There's a lot of different ways you can look at this game. I mean, I'm not going to tell any Raider fans that they shouldn't be disappointed with this. This is a chance to sweep the defending Super Bowl champs. This is a chance to really get yourself right back in the AFC West playoff picture. You know, we've seen the Raiders and Chiefs over the last several years, and the Raiders really, for a while now, have not been competitive with the Chiefs. They beat them earlier this year in Kansas City. They went down to the wire here with them in Vegas. And my biggest takeaway, not just from this game, but from the season series, is that they showed that they are ready to compete with the Chiefs. Now, obviously, by next year, that can completely change. If they meet in the playoffs, that can completely change. But they proved that they were worthy of being on the same field with them. Yeah, I agree. I think the, um, they weren't. They definitely showed they're not scared of the Chiefs anymore. Definitely, the talent level may not be quite there yet, especially when it's the Chiefs' offense versus the Raiders' defense. But um, obviously, the Raiders' offense is elite, and I think they showed that tonight. Kind of dictated the game for a while. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not for more victories either. Obviously, you can't have a guy wide open in the end zone if his name is Travis Kelsey. That was a huge breakdown, um, and that kind of makes the loss really, really hard to take because it was there. The win was there to be had, and they blew it. But um, yeah, if you look at bigger picture, uh, this team is young, and they're going to learn from this. So I think you can be mad, you can be sad, but um, uh, tomorrow when you wake up, you got to look at the bright side. Like you know what, we were in there, and um, we're ready for the next step. Yeah, speaking of Kelsey, I think I saw a quote from him after the game saying that this was the best Raiders team that he's played so far. Um, this is. You know, it seems to be the best, uh, you know, Raiders team in the second stint under Gruden so far. Um, you know, it's like like Vic said, you know, they, they made some some key mistakes on defense down the stretch, which I don't think that really surprised any of us. Um, you know, this whole season, the defense has been a liability. And, you know, when you, when you look at it and see that they have three starters out on the reserve COVID-19 list and, bunch of guys who didn't practice and a couple more guys out with injury. I mean, it was pretty much a sure bet that they were going to give up a bunch of points. But uh, specifically that play where um, Kelsey, you know, had the game-winning touchdown catch, you know, Jonathan Abram just completely bailed on his his zone. Just can't let that happen no matter, you know, if a guy didn't practice all week, whatever it is, it's just basic football. You can't do that. So the manner in which they lost obviously is going to leave a, a sour taste in their mouth. But um, you know, kind of like you said, they, they showed that they could compete with, you know, arguably the best team in the league. Yeah, I think there were so many things going against the Raiders in this game. Andy Reid coming off a bye week, having most of their defensive starters not being able to practice in a week where they absolutely had to be at practice. Um, and, and they came in and not only did they compete, they were ahead with two minutes left in the game. 
And, you know, obviously when you're, you're playing Patrick Mahomes, who is arguably the best quarterback in the league, uh, you, you know, giving him the ball with two minutes left is, is usually not going to uh, have a good result for even a really good defense. But, yeah, it, it stings to lose in this manner because um, this would have been just a huge win going 2-0 and against the Chiefs and uh, just giving themselves a chance to even win a division. Uh, it, it stinks losing like this, but yeah, I mean, they, they proved that they are a team that can run with these elite teams in the league. You say that, Ted, about you know giving the ball to Mahomes back in the final two minutes. That was Mahomes' first go-ahead touchdown in the final two minutes of a game in his NFL career, uh, which is pretty surprising, I guess, other than the fact that the Chiefs generally over his career, I think they are now... 33-8 and eight in 41 career starts. I, I guess they, they've been so dominant that they haven't needed a whole lot of late fourth-quarter comebacks. We've seen over the years there are certain quarterbacks you are deathly afraid of when you give them the ball with that much time left, and he's one of them. But that was the first touchdown uh, he's thrown in the uh, the final two minutes of the game. Go-ahead touchdown, I would say. Yeah, I guess they're always whooping everybody's ass, so they don't have to do that. I would say I think the Raiders did a, a decent job of containing, like, obviously, you know, there's so many weapons the Chiefs have, but there weren't a lot of big plays. I think that last throw was the longest throw of the night for the Chiefs. So I think they, for all the you know, issues they had, they definitely didn't give up the big play. They tried to keep them a little off balance. I think they did a good job of mixing up their coverages again and, I mean, there's only so much you can do because obviously there's a lot of matchup problems with the current defensive um, personnel they have. But, um, yeah, I mean, people look at the points and they got a hand. But you do your best, but you can't. Like, I mean, I think Ted said that Mahomes is arguably the best quarterback. I think he's the best quarterback by far. I don't, know, I don't even think it's close. So I think um, – I'll try to be nice. That's good. Yeah, all right. I appreciate that. But I just <laughs> think – I mean, and today he wasn't like – he was great, but he wasn't like, you know, one of those games where he – you can't believe what you're watching, but he still was good enough to win the game. So let's talk about the, the, the go-ahead touchdown. I mean, you know, Jonathan Abram, I, and I think we all look at him as a guy that is a vital piece of this Raiders defense. If this Raiders defense is going to be good in the future, he is going to be a key piece of it. But we know he can be overly aggressive. And if you look at that play, here he sees Patrick Mahomes starting to scramble and and the eyes get big, right? He thinks he's going to come and blow up this play and, and make a huge play, and instead he leaves Travis Kelsey wide open. What what has to happen for Jonathan Abram to kind of be the player the Raiders need him to be? I mean, that that's you know for the plays that he makes. I mean, those are the kind of plays he gives up. I think he's such an instinctual player that he, um, you know, he. I don't think he's thinking through everything, being careful with his decisions. He, he's an extremely instinctual player. I, I'm not comparing him to Troy Potomalu. I'm not saying that he's that type of player. Okay, so don't don't uh, misquote me here. But I'm saying he, he plays with that kind of instinct, and he needs experience. He needs to get burned like this for him to start making these, you know, being more careful in certain situations part of his, his play. I, I think... For him, he's a guy that just needs experience. He needs these reps, and you hope that with these reps, he's going to get better in these type of situations. Uh, but I, I just think, yeah, for him, it's 
you can't just tell him something. He has to experience it on his own, and then it, it gets ingrained into his game. I was going to say, I think that also one factor, and again, I'm not one for making excuses, but he was one of the eight guys who wasn't at practice. So I'm sure if they're walking through these defenses, and everyone knows about Kelsey and the, the scramble reaction drills where he's so dangerous, but I'm sure they walk through these things. I'm sure the coaches are on uh, Abram by, hey, remember, you can't, you can't come up. You gotta stay home. You, they, they tell him again, and again, and again. So maybe that him not being there this week, maybe that's a tiny part of it. But like you said, they got, you guys just keep drilling it in him, and at some point it'll click. But they, they obviously they love him. The coaches and, and, and teammates love the guy. So, um, so things you learn from. He's a, he's a young guy. Like he says himself, he's a rookie this year because he didn't play last year. So you gotta hope you learn from this and you don't uh, take away from what else. The other aspects of his game that make him special. Yeah, when we asked Gruden about it after the game, he uh, you know, he was really focused on the stunt by the defensive line. Um, you know that that led to Mahomes being able to escape the pocket and maybe look like he was going to pick up some yardage on the ground. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's just saying that you know he's not blaming Abram for trying to to get Mahomes, but I mean he's like twenty yards away from him. Like, yeah, really no chance of making an impact on. on he would have been sliding by the time he got to him. So it was just. He just can't make that play, and I'm sure they're going to be harping on it in, in film review, and maybe it's just something that he has to learn through experience. But um, you know, like Ted said, it's also just kind of in his nature. So um, you know, obviously you can't take him off the field or something crazy like that. But maybe just you know, blowing a big game like this, essentially, maybe that's what it does. You know, it kind of teaches him what can happen when you don't think before you act sometimes on the field. So. Uh, it might just be one of those growing pain things. Figure it out in the years to come. That's another thing. I didn't like the, the call to stunt on there because when you a stunt is when you send a defensive end inside or this type of stunt. You send a DN inside and you have to tackle, try to loop around. Um, and Mahomes is so deadly every time he rolls to the right, specifically to the right. And you know, I harp on it on Twitter. I'm like, why do they keep letting him out to the right? And this kind of call allows him to get on the right. Uh, so you know, I, I didn't like the I didn't like the stunt call there. Uh, so yeah, I, I you know doesn't take the excuse off Abrams, but I, I didn't I didn't like that call. I, I think the problem is that they have to stunt, and they have to blitz because they don't have pass rush otherwise. I mean, Max Crosby gets in once in a while, but I think they had no sacks, maybe four or five quarterback hits, but they don't have the, the you know traditional pass rusher, so they have to they have to blitz, they have to stunt to get any kind of pressure that they get. So I think that's one of the problems. They have, and look at their personnel, the way this team is built. The, obviously, the guys they brought in to rush the passer and not getting it done, so you got to try other things, and that leaves you vulnerable in other spots. So, Deshaun, you mentioned Gruden talking post game, and it was a quick one. Uh, I know that he didn't get hit, hit with a whole lot of questions. It was probably 90 seconds, two minutes. Uh, the Raiders didn't make any defensive players available. What did you guys make of that uh, post game that? Raiders seemed a little bit, a little bit pretty pissed off, and uh, we didn't get to hear from the defensive players about what they thought of from from this game. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that because even after they've had some other bad performances this season, like they gave up forty five points to the Bucks, and we talked to them to some defensive players after the game. So I don't know if guys were just super emotional because they almost won this game, and it's like ah, we we messed up at the end. You know, we really blew it. Uh, you know, I don't know if they just didn't want to talk, but. Uh, I mean, it's not a big, big deal in, in, at the end of the day, but it was a little bit strange. They haven't really had that reaction from a from a loss so far to see you. Yeah, it's one of the downfalls of the whole Zoom thing because, like you mentioned, Gruden's really short press conference. Usually there's like 25, 30 guys clamoring to ask him really positive, like, you know, kiss-assy questions. But when they <laughs> lose, they go silent, and all of a sudden there's a pause. And, 
And he kind of paused in the Zoom. He said, okay, we're done, we're done. And he's gone. He doesn't want to talk to us. Obviously, he's had a horrible gut-wrenching loss on national television. He doesn't want to talk to us, Slappies. So I just think, uh, I don't know. They just uh, Obviously, that's one of the problems with Zoom. And then with the locker room guys, I mean, if they can not talk to us, you know, when we're not there face-to-face, so they don't have to talk to us if they don't want to. So it's just uh, it's one of the problems that we have, but that's just the way the world is right now. All right, and then Deshaun, what the hell did you do to get blocked by Derek Carr? No, I think he had me blocked for a minute because, like, at first, I thought he just didn't have a Twitter account, but I would like see his tweets kind of spread out. And then finally tonight, I could like for some reason his his, his uh, tweet popped up with him doing a little death stare on the Raiders because they retweeted, and I was like, oh okay, maybe I can see it now. And tapped, and it's like, nah, you're blocked. I think it's that you remember what the Limboden uh, when he got drafted. I think that ah, was it. That, that makes sense. There's no way. You put, you, put, you put him on the bench. I think that was no never, way. I haven't said anything. Oh, that's I've never said anything else it. negative about Derek Carr that I can think of. That might be it. Man, <laughs> man you really didn't think Derek Carr had a Twitter account, man. I, <laughs> Derek, Derek Carr in the offseason on Twitter is just I, – I used to have the, the Derek Carr uh, – you know, notifications, the push notifications on. I, I had every year, you know, just uh, as a beat writer, you got to kind of be following all that stuff. And every year in the off season, I would just have to turn those off because it would just, my my phone would just be ding, 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 Derek Carr in the off season on Twitter. So, but, uh, all right. Yeah, I could see that, that little Lynn Bowden tweet. I mean, you, you benched him for a guy who's, who got traded. Not the entire game. Just, you know, just mixing it up a little bit. Come on now. <laughs> Uh, but but let's be real. Derek Carr played phenomenal. Obviously, the last throw of the game is an interception. Um, but that doesn't take away from how well he played. And really, two games this year against the Chiefs that might be his two best games of the season. He played phenomenal again. Uh, was just in control of that offense. Uh, I mean, just didn't did not seem to be feeling any pressure. I mean, I will say the last couple of drives did seem a little bit weird. It seemed like probably the last four or five passes, you know, including the the, the touchdown, you know, the, the drive where they, went for, where they scored the go-ahead touchdown. It did seem like a lot of the throws, even if he wasn't feeling pressure, were kind of off the back foot. But but regardless, I mean, this was a phenomenal game by Derek Carr. This is probably the best game that I've seen him play when plays break down. And, you know, we, we've been talking about his steady improvement. I think he made some improvements not enough last season and this season you just stuck you know you saw him getting better making better better decisions but this game he was like lethal when plays broke down he was making big plays that throw to Aguilar on that fade route where he was rolling right that was an incredible throw I mean I did not think he had the angle to somehow make that throw and and he did um so you know credit to him but uh unfortunately just wasn't enough but as far as out-of-structure play, this was probably the best that I've seen Carr have. Yeah, I think in some ways this might have been better than his first game against the Chiefs just because I think in that first game a lot of, you know, a lot of it was just, you know, hitting big plays, whether it was to Ruggs or Aguilar or whatever it might have been. Um, and they had the run game going, you know, so that, that kind of kept the Chiefs on edge a little bit more. This game, the run game, it really they really couldn't get it going consistently, and so that put more pressure on Carr, and he was still able to have, you know, a pretty incredible game. And he had, and this has become an issue, I think, more so in recent weeks, but guys are dropping a good amount of his passes now. I think it was one drive that, that Alec Angle dropped two passes, and, and Aguilar had a couple of drops, I believe. And so even having the drops and not having a ring game and missing a couple starting offensive linemen, he played, you know, one of his better games this season. So yeah, it was pretty impressive. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm not crazy about uh, angle three targets, rugs one target. That's 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 not good. You got they got to do something about, about that. I mean, I know um, they're trying to work him in, but um, uh, I mean, that, they draft him to be their version of Tyreek Hill. And uh, we watched the game tonight, <laughs> and the original guys, you know, still a dominant player, but the new guys kind of invisible. So they, they got to figure that out. Yeah, and Rugs had the one carry and then caught the one pass. Those were back to back plays inside five minutes of the fourth quarter. So you're talking about your first-round draft pick, your number one pick that you involved twice on back-to-back plays. I mean, he, you know, and we all know that he's a guy that creates space for other other players on the team and, and whatnot, but, um, I mean, you target him once inside five minutes of the fourth quarter. And, again, I'm not criticizing the offense today. They played very well. This is not a game where you're sitting there and nitpicking what the offense did even though we can nitpick. The drop by Aguilar on third down um, after the Raiders had taken the 24-21 lead and forced the Chiefs to punt. That was crucial because, you know, get that, it could change the tenor of the game. So I don't want to nitpick the offense. They're not the reason they lost, but one target for Henry Ruggs just does seem like a a major problem. Yeah, I mean, maybe he wasn't open. I have to rewatch it and see, um, like, the game. Maybe he was one of those games where he couldn't get off of coverage, but... Yeah, just in general. I Everybody think. else was open. Yeah, yeah, man. Maybe that's because they were they were focused on rugs. He's the decoy, the greatest decoy. In the, I'm, try, I'm trying to be positive here, right? <laughs> you know, Gruden's pretty good at when he wants a guy to get a bunch of catches, he can make it happen. So I think next game we'll see rugs get an uptick in targets. I mean, has rugs had a game yet where he's gotten an uptick in targets? I mean, you know, I think he's a guy that's eventually going to be a very big part of their offense and. You know, it might require a full off season of Carr and Rugs working together before they really get there. But I mean, what's what's the largest targeted game? You know, he had a, a quote unquote big game the last time against Kansas City, but I think that was you know three targets uh, that he just happened to catch a couple of deep balls that turned into big plays. Probably last week, didn't he have like four or five last week? I want to say that seems to me like yeah, I think five this is the season high for targets for one game. Most games is three targets or, or fewer. Yeah, I guess it kind of stinks, too, when you're a Raider fan, you're watching guys like Jeffrey Jefferson and C.D. Lamb, you know, making making these plays. But, you know, those guys are kind of anomalies just because rookie receivers typically don't get acclimated to the NFL that quickly. And Ruggs did, was the first receivers picked. But, you know, some guys develop a little later. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed in, in Ruggs. Um, you know, I, he'll, he'll have a game where he – 
he'll get some targets coming pretty soon, I think. Three targets. I just looked it up. Three targets is his season high. He's had that a couple of times. He's never had more than three targets in a game, you know? Yeah, Nelson Aguilar wide open all the time. He's got to throw him the ball. He's streaking down the field open, so. I think Eagles fans who are watching that game and, and see him catch a touchdown and, and have been saying, who the hell is this guy? Why is he all of a sudden? And then they saw that third down play. Let's be real. Was that an easy play for Nelson Aguilar to make? No. Was that a play that you want him to make? Absolutely. I mean, it was the ball was in his hands. Derek Carr had made, like Ted said, you know, one of the, the best out of structure plays that he's made. Phenomenal play to get the ball out there. You know, I think that's where you see why there was frustration that built with him in Philadelphia. And again, he's been great for the Raiders this year. But those kind of plays are where you know he does just hold you back a little bit. Yeah, and hopefully with more development, Ruggs will start getting some of those Aguilar plays. And Ruggs has really good hands uh, as one of his you know his, his positives coming from Alabama. Uh, but right now, you know Aguilar is just better at just the little things as far as route running, getting off press coverage. Uh, than Ruggs, but as Ruggs develop, he he's going to be in that Aguilar role. Uh, as you know, as his career goes along. All right. Well, let's look at the positive side. The Raiders are six and four after ten games, and obviously they'd rather be seven and three right now. They'd rather be a game out of first place. But you look at the schedule, and, and we're not—you don't count wins in this league at all. But their next two games, both on the road, both on the East Coast, but at Atlanta, at the New York Jets, um, two games that you would obviously consider very winnable. Um, but you got to go win them. Um, if the Raiders can win those games and get to eight and four, then suddenly their their playoff chances look a heck of a lot better. And uh, you know, you look at the results of Sunday's games. I think they're happy that a team like the Miami Dolphins goes to Denver and loses. They're less happy that a team like the Indianapolis Colts uh, comes back and beats the Green Bay Packers in overtime. But again, they they do have the Colts on their future schedule. Obviously, they do have the Dolphins on their schedule. Um, but the next step is, is looking ahead to the Atlanta Falcons in that road trip, and uh, that's a team that you're going to have to go out on the road and beat if you want to be a playoff team. Yeah, it's a scary matchup to me. I really think they're going to be, obviously, uh, this game was the huge focus this week. It'll be a much emotional downer, I think, having been so close. I think the Falcons, you can't get up for the Falcons at this point, but they're a dangerous team. I think they have a lot of talent still. Uh, playing on the road, you know, it's going to be tough. So, to me, that's probably now becomes the biggest game of the year because if they win that one, then they go against the Jets, which is the Jets are horrible. Talent-wise, there's no, there's no comparison. So, if they win next week, they should be 8-4, uh, and four, and they'll be sitting pretty pretty. So, I believe next week's the one they have to get. I will say the Falcons, I, I don't know what it ended up, but watching that game, I think we were maybe in the fourth quarter, and they were talking about how the Falcons were at negative yards in the second half. Falcons aren't very good. You can't think that. The Raiders definitely can't think that. The Falcons aren't very good. But their offense, I think, can be, especially against this Raiders defense. Negative yards, yeah, man. Negative but, yards in the second yeah. half. But they weren't going against the Raiders defense. So. <laughs> you know, you pointed out the Colts and Dolphins, two home games, so that'll help them out. But I think those are the two biggest games of the season for them, Even maybe even more so than this Chiefs game, just when you look at the the way the wild card you know, race is starting to break down. If they if they win both of those games, like even if they do slip up one of these other weeks, they'll, they'll probably be in. But if they lose one or, or even both of those, then they'll be in some trouble. I mean, I think if if they can win the next two, and if they can hold serve at home against the Chargers and win Week 17 at Denver, a Denver team that should be out of it at that point, that's ten wins right there. 
that even if they lose to the Colts and Dolphins in a 17 playoff field, should be okay. But you never really know. I mean, the Browns are so weird. They're seven and three now after their win today, and they still just don't feel like a seven and three team to me. Yeah, their wins aren't that impressive. Like I forget somebody tweeted it out, but they've beaten like a bunch of trash teams pretty much. So and the Raiders have the have the tiebreaker again. Yeah, I think the biggest helps. threat to them is probably the the Colts. When you just look at you know the, the rest of their schedule and which one of those teams is the best is probably the Colts. So, I mean, right now, you know, on the bright side there, they're in the wild card spot. You know, they had that seventh and final spot, so it's not like they're on the outside trying to get in, but it's going to be tight. All right, well, we are not going to have a show later this week. We are all going to enjoy a little bit of time off for the Thanksgiving holiday, so I'm going to put you guys all on the spot. It's a week out, and we're going to have to already make our predictions for Raiders at Falcons. Uh, so we're going to start with you, Ted. You just saw the Raiders nearly take down the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Uh, do they go into Atlanta next week and handle business? Yeah, I think Raiders handle business. They're going to win 35-21. to 21. Deshaun? Raiders are going to win. I don't know the score, though. It's too far out. But <laughs> I got the Raiders. They'll bounce back. Angry game. We're going to get angry Derek Carr that game. Let's see who they get off the COVID-19 list, right? Yeah, I'm going to take Raiders. I'll go... I'm going to go with the same score that I picked uh, for this game, but uh, in the reverse with the Raiders winning uh, 31-21. about you, Vic? Yeah, um, I don't want to kick Raider fans when they're down, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. Are gonna, you going I'm, to kick them? I'm you not said it was dangerous. Him. I'm thinking about kicking them. My foot's back and about to, I, I could swing it, but I'm not going to. Um, I'll say it's a close game. Raiders win uh, 31 to 30, I'll say. Um, I do think it's a, a really dangerous spot because I think they're going to be in for a letdown after this week. So it's a big one. It's a big one. Funny, I saw Chiefs fans lamenting on Twitter, the Raiders are getting pressure with four rushers. How come we can't do that? Which was, was freaking hilarious to me that like the Chiefs fans were complaining that how much pressure the Raiders were able to get when we've watched the Raiders pass rush for all these years not i mean and i they got a little bit of pressure on on the moms they did it okay but at this point you gotta the Raiders have what they have so you gotta hope that if you're a Raider fan i hope the chemistry gets better they start making smarter decisions and they kind of work together to, to get the most of their abilities but this is what you got so you got some young players you got some disappointing free agents you gotta mix them together and hopefully you get a better result so um we'll see what happens all right what are we looking forward to this week for thanksgiving uh you know, not uh, not our normal Thanksgiving, or but uh, what are we excited about for this week for Thanksgiving, guys? Be alone in Vegas, so nothing. <laughs> what? I'm gonna make my own my own things. I'm gonna make my own things. That's what you're excited. You that's what you're depressed about. Yeah. Tell us what you're excited nah, about. I'm gonna something. I'm gonna make my own Thanksgiving uh, dinner for the first time, so that should be. Well, didn't you get, didn't you get your uh, your PlayStation? Just know you're thankful yeah, for man, your I, PlayStation. I you. Thanks for reminding me. Oh my bad. My hey, bad. Why, why, why oh, you guys? Yeah. My, my bad. My bad. My bad. I thought you. So, yeah, I'm just cooking on Thanksgiving dinner, so that should be interesting to figure out how that goes. How big of a bird you got? I'm not a big turkey guy, but I'm gonna do like the I'm gonna do the mac and cheese, the dressing, the the candy yams, all that. But I I ain't doing the turkey. Doing a ham? Or what's what's the? I'm, kinda, what's the I'm thinking piece? like maybe like a whole chicken, you know, like a baked whole chicken, or like with some gravy yeah, or something. Good. It's oh, only one of me, so like you know. Got one year when I was a young man, I had uh, Thanksgiving by myself in Fort Lauderdale. I had at a Kenny Rogers Roasters. On a picnic table on a beach by myself. It's pretty sad. <laughs> but, uh. I've got a twenty-pound bird uh, defrosting in the uh, fridge. There, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire up the Traeger. Gonna smoke it. Uh, get, get an all-day smoke going. The only thing I'm mad about is that I ordered from Traeger, 
uh, and maybe they get wind of this and, and expedite my order. I, I, two weeks ago, I ordered their, their turkey brine kit with their special uh, turkey blend of pellets, and they haven't shipped it yet. So I've been communicating with them daily, and they're saying maybe it'll ship tomorrow. So Traeger, if you're out there, they'll wait for my, my turkey brine kit and my pellets. I've had to go to some backup oh options, so you can get me my, my brine kit and my pellets. I'll be very happy. My 20-pound my bird is ready to go on the Traeger and, and get smoked, and uh, that'll be good if you can hook me up. Please. That might be the strangest rant I've ever heard in a post-game football show. Like, in, in, case you're, in, case, in case you're listening, I need my pellets. Oh, my God. We, we've lost it. Yeah, we've all got cuckoo. Oh, Sunday night, man. Yeah. What do you, Sunday night football. You it's a long day, too, before these games. We wait all day for these games. It just never gets here, and it gets here. And it was, it was definitely a, it was a fun game to watch, but it takes a lot out of you. we got to get Ted. Ted, Thanksgiving. And we got to get your impressions. Your first turn, your first trip to, to Vegas to, to check out Allegiant Stadium. Oh, the stadium was stunning, like, you know, just looking at it from outside and walking in, definitely a slight upgrade over, over to Oakland Coliseum. Uh, but it, it was it was strange watching football with no crowd noise at all. Um, but you could you could hear some of the hits from up top, um, and it was pretty cool. You know, like it was spaced out because of the pandemic, so I had room for all my stuff, um, and it, it was definitely oh, a fun sa- game. Sour patch. Sour my patch, sour patch uh, diagrams <laughs> and uh thanksgiving i'm not really doing anything my family like my immediate families get together but no big family party unfortunately but we'll still have a good time all right well that'll wrap up this week's episode of state of the nation post-game edition from the raiders and the chiefs we will be back next sunday after the raiders take on the atlanta falcons on the road in atlanta they'll try to get back on track and uh, we hope everybody enjoyed a nice, uh, safe, socially distant Thanksgiving. And uh, again, we'll talk to you guys again next Sunday. Peace out. Bye, Cordios. Talk to you guys later. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.